This is Oblivion with David Miller and David Overby. Hello. 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 What's going on, man? Well, I don't know why I called, man. I think there's something to do with, like, getting fucked up and not remembering anything. Wow. But I don't remember. But maybe uh, if you uh, maybe if you hang up, man, then you'll be able to remember. If it, as my mother always said, if it, if I guess it wasn't important. She didn't remember. (laughs) But uh, maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Who knows? But uh, it is August seventeenth, and we are well. So they say if. um, if you'll forget about it, then you'll remember it. <laughs> Surreal logic. Uh, last week, your um, your prediction came report came true. Of course, it was uh, pretty much going to happen if they pre-announced the football. Uh, which which one was Pac Ten? Which one was it that? Uh, I believe the the uh, the Big Ten and the Big uh, Ten. <laughs> then the Pac Twelve. Pac Twelve. Shut it down. So yeah, but then the, the other ones still haven't. I think uh, that some of them are still entertaining ideas that's still playing. Like the Big Twelve is going to play, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the SEC, the South, if you can believe that. Yeah, play so. I mean, do you think they're going to stick to that, or, or what? I guess we'll just be like UK here and stick it out until the outbreak occurs, and then they'll have to shut. It. Right. I mean, it. Um, Which I mean, why don't you just go ahead and shut it down if you know it's fucking going to happen? I mean, they think that somehow that they're going to be able to pray it out of existence or something. I mean. I don't know. I guess it's just money, you know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they got to try. Uh, money, pride, and denial. All right. Which go? You, your first topic you had was the racket of higher education, which that ties into, of course, the racket of higher. Uh, uh, what, what's it called? Student uh, athletes and the student athlete movement. Well, I mean, you, you could um, you could sort of pick any of those, and um, and it would be um, it would be a, an excellent example of. Uh, of there being a a racket, but I I'm kind of working with the the nef- the definition that a you know a racket is a uh, is a dishonest uh, business, and one of the things that these universities have been doing is now that we're getting right up to the beginning of the fall semester, some of them are saying 
Well, you know what? Wait a second. I don't think that we're going to have uh, in-person class. We're just going to do everything online. And so the uh, the students and their parents are uh, outraged, feeling that they're being ripped off, and that um, that what has happened obviously is the universities have scammed everyone into paying for uh, in-person learning in the fall. Uh, either knowing all along that that wasn't going to happen or knowing that there was a good chance that uh, they were going to have to shut it down and just do everything online. And one of the things that stands out to me is the, how moronic uh, most of the people that go to college are, which is consistent with my uh, impression of the American population and the people who go to school that they're not there to learn, is how could you just assume that, oh, yeah, in the fall, I'll just go to college with a pandemic going on? I mean, couldn't you think, hmm, I wonder if this is actually going to be a good idea? I mean, even if they still have uh, in-person learning, would I really want to be on campus? Well, I mean, I think there's also to give people their due. I mean, they've gone through this whole freaking process, competitive process of getting in, you know, all this stuff to get into these schools. Uh, of course, it's not very competitive again in the UK, but... Uh, or know, just uh, about all of them. Right. Well, I mean, it's still, you know, there's a certain degree, especially the, the elite one. But, you know, it's still a whole process and you, you know, plan to move somewhere. You plan to uh, committed lots of money to it, probably got out loans, probably this and that. So, I mean, it's, it's more than just because uh, they feel like it or, you know they've kind of committed to this situation and they feel like they, you know, if they canceled it, then, you know, uh, so anyway. Well, but it's, um, it, it obviously is, uh, I, I think just, uh, um, I mean, my main criticism, your, your point is well taken. My main criticism is, is of the universities. Right. I still think that you're a fool if since, uh, April, you have for a single moment anticipated that things were going to be normal, whether it was school, university, or uh, being able to uh, go back to work or go bowling or get a haircut, any of these other super important uh, American traditions. Uh, but the idea of a uh, a racket being uh, a, a, a dishonest business. The the main thing that stands out with higher education is the profiteering, right? The the fact that they that all of these universities have have made everything so expensive is already a red flag. Saying, you know, is this really a uh, 
is this really a, a, an honest uh, institution? <clears throat> I mean, are these people involved in honest dealings, or uh, is this just something that's been set up so that people can enrich themselves? And I've really been thinking that uh, universities have basically just turned uh, into resorts and uh, college professors are tour guides, literally. Like you're, you're coming aboard the cruise ship, you're coming onto campus, and everything has been set up in terms of look at how nice your theme park is with the manicured lawns and all the pretty flowers and the fountains and the old 19th century brick and mortar buildings and the statues. I mean, all of this is just completely 100% phony. And then on top of the, the obvious uh, profiteering uh, that, that makes you think that uh, higher education in America is a, is a dishonest business, the horrible way in which people at the university treat other human beings. I'm specifically thinking of the way that faculty treat other faculty, that the administration treats faculty. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a miserable, just disgusting atmosphere. It really is a racket. I mean, the only reason that these universities exist uh, in the present day is so that people can enrich themselves and so that they can get off on a power game where they can just be abusive and um, and try to ruin other people. I mean, in these observations, the, the previous observations, um, of course, are uh, specific to the pandemic, but the, but the uh, observations about constantly raising tuition always making everything more and more expensive and the, the miserable uh, mean and, and nasty way that people treat each other. I mean, all of this just uh, reeks of a, a racket that it's not, it's not legitimate work. Like you're not at this university because you have a passion for education and you really want to do your teaching and, and research. You want to get your six figure salary and your right of retreat, and you want to treat your graduate students like they're captives who are uh, never going to be able to get out from under your grip. And, uh, and, and, and well, you tell me, uh, Dave, I mean, what is it that you actually think that these universities are really teaching people? What good do they serve? Well, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go so far as to say uh, um, they don't serve a purpose. I mean, especially say if you want to be a chemist or you want to be an engineer, um, you know, you pretty much have to be taught these things. Uh, um, pretty complex. And, you know, uh, you need some kind of school to do it in. Now, whether or not you need it, in the current forum as the other question. Um, but I mean, the, I guess the main thing is, is there any real reason that it's so expensive? Yes. You Bingo. It, that, that's basically what I'm saying. I mean, I'm not I mean, all it's, saying as far as value is concerned, that's a, 
that's another question. You know, I, I think definitely the high quote higher education has plenty of reasons to exist um, outside of <laughs> you know of being propaganda um, conformist machines. I mean, there are actual educational things going on, um, but I mean, as far as being is it worth it as far as monetarily? Um, you know, both of you have the problem of it's too expensive, and there's also the paradigm, cultural paradigm, that the whole reason you're going is to get a good job, right? Right. It's not ultimately about education at all in that sense. Um, you might Everybody might not be, quote, money. educated, um, but um, so, you know, and that's... Um, and and now that they've made it so expensive where you have to get these huge loans, you're even more uh, tied into the whole wage-slave paradigm uh, that, you know, forces you to, uh, you know, I want, I want to be a success in life. I want to, and you're told over and over again, it's all about you've got to get an education. So when you go get an education, now you have to get this huge debt. And therefore, when you get out, you have to fucking get a job to pay off this debt, which they've made with the, you know, bankruptcy, thanks to Joe Biden, um, Bill back in the early aughts, uh, made it like <laughs> you cannot be bankrupt with student loans. It's like I follow you like this yoke for the rest of your life, no matter what, you know. Um, right, it's a it's a racket. I mean, it's it's just it's designed to enslave people to money. And the the whole point that you made about the, you're there to get a job and and a career and to make money. The more expensive the education becomes, the more of a determining factor that that expense plays in what you're going to study, as uh -huh. it were, and what yeah. job are you going to do i mean you might think hey i'd like to major in art history or philosophy but if you're taking out a hundred thousand dollars in loans mm -hmm. to have this college experience then how do you do that because something like art history and philosophy you obviously don't have uh, uh wanted ads saying you know looking for expert on William Blake or. Uh, well, it, it, and yeah, that's part of the whole shift and the how, what the emphasis is. It used to be that, say, back in the time that my dad got a uh, bachelor's degree, I guess that was, what, 1960, early 60s. Um, you know, if you, if you just had a regular degree, I mean, he had a physics bachelor's and he went straight into doing industry working with like plutonium and stuff right so right. you know you, you were able to say if i had an art history degree well i mean people would just see that you had a college degree and you could do all kinds of shit with that but now it's just like you know you're going to work in a museum or you're going to be an academic work at a art history library you know, very narrow things that that can be used for, and people don't give a shit that it's art that you have a degree. Uh, right, or you're you're gonna 
more likely just have to work uh, catering or do <laughs> construction. Yeah. You know, just end up doing something totally that doesn't give a shit, you know, so about the, it. In, in other words, place. the education becomes more expensive, and at the same time, it diminishes in value. Right. Yeah, exactly. But another thing I have to uh, point out is the, uh, the obviously lie, the, the lie, the hypocrisy that we just see rampant and just reeking in, in America with uh, now all of a sudden education is really important. When for decades all we've heard about is how the teachers are worthless and they're just a bunch of perverts and idiots who can't do anything in the real world, which is why they teach. And we don't want to fund education. And now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we've got to get back to school. We've got to get back to school. Uh, and then the other part of it is the whole online uh, teaching and the, the complete 180 degree about face where for really the last decade, you know, online teaching just became more and more popular with people saying, you know, hey, I can be uh, a parent and have a full-time job and uh, be active in my community. And then from, you know, 3 a.m. until 5.30 a.m., I can be a college student and just sit here and do everything on my laptop. You know, isn't this great? And, of course, the whole idea is if you're not – if, if you think that you can just do it online, you're obviously not really uh, invested in it and serious in it as, as though someone who is a real full-time student and you're uh, in residence uh, on campus. And then now the pandemic happens and uh, wisely for, for once, uh, some people have been saying, why don't we just do the fall online and uh that way we'll all know what's going to happen um it won't be the same obviously as in person but it'll be some semblance of of having a school and and continuing with uh with education and it'll be the the smart thing to do with there being a pandemic going on and suddenly all of a sudden everybody can has no problem realizing that, you know, in-class teaching is the best. You know, the best form of learning is, is for it to be in-person. Well, no one was saying this uh, before March when everything was being done online. Well, let's, and, let's, and you, talk, let's talk about that for a second because I was sure. talking to my dad recently. Uh, and he was going on this line of, basically the teaching teaching in person lecturing in person is superior to lecturing on say zoom right right what do you think, what do you think about that well i think the whole idea of online education is a complete sham but i, I my question is what what is the difference what is this amazing difference that supposedly you know, um, I mean, what, is, what really is the difference there? I mean, what would you, I mean, most of, because my memory of uh, professors was that they mostly just lectured. They didn't, weren't really doing much Q&A. I mean, uh, some did. Um, 
and you can still do Q&A with Zoom, and they just kind of talk the whole time. So what exactly is the advantage of the in-person? Well, I see, I, see, I see your point. Um, right. and, and, and rather than make some kind of uh, typical academic, opaque, uh, argument in favor of, of in-person in um, lecturing, I, I would just say that, that what the point you're making uh, proves is, is that uh, it, it isn't that the internet is anything amazing. It's right. that what was going on inside the lecture hall uh, wasn't all that important or difficult or meaningful in the first place. Mm. In other words, if you can take something that was done in person and just do it online, then what was being done in person um, was pretty meaningless. And mm. in, in other words, you could say, well, instead of doing it online, why don't you just simply type out all of these lectures and get them in print and paper form and just read them. And then you don't even have to write down notes during the lecture. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Yeah. 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 And then it, it, so is, the, uh, it, it even, it's interesting because I mean, so again, um, yeah, why not? But, <laughs> but I think the good way to point out the, how, what a sham that online education is, is, is instead of just thinking about teaching and lecturing, I mean, think about uh, activities that Americans undoubtedly put a great deal of value on, and then ask yourself, could this be done online? And the first example, of course, is sports. I mean, what would happen if John Calipari said, you know, with the technology that we've got these days, we're just going to do the whole season online? How could you do that? I mean, are you really, are you, do you really want your, to hear your basketball player say, you know, practice begins when I so choose. You know, I'll do my running when I feel like it. You know, I'll, I'll do my uh, line drills um, when it suits me, which is exactly how online classes are marketed, right? I'm in charge. I'm in control. I'll decide when class starts. I'll decide when I do this and that. So the the point is, is that it shows that there's really not any kind of commitment on the part of the person that wants to do all of this online. I mean, of course, the the, the person that is actually on campus and, uh, and, and gets up and mobilizes with the materials and enters into the actual building and room where the class is taking place and does this day after day after day, um, is more committed to learning and education than uh, someone that just wants to uh, be online while they're uh, eating leftovers from the fridge and they're sitting there in their pajamas um, and they, they just get around to doing this whenever they, they feel like it. I mean, the, there is something to be said for the fact that if you're, if you're in sync with a group of other people, 
and you are actually in the same room as the person who's doing the teaching, that you that you are more motivated and focused. Uh, you're you're more uh, and and also literally present, uh, yeah. which I, I'm sure from a psychological point of view does mean that that in class uh, lecturing is more effective than than doing it on, online. I mean, it's just. Um, uh, well, look, here's here's a good example. Like we're doing this podcast uh, virtually, right? I mean, we're not in the same room together. Uh, Talk, talking on the phone. Right. Now, I think that the reason that we're able to do the podcast, uh, to, to do a good job of doing the podcast online isn't because it, that there's no difference between doing things in person and online. It's because we've known each other our whole lives, right? I mean, we've spent um, endless amounts of time in person with one another, and that really is the foundation of both our friendship uh, and our intellectual partnership, if you will, right? right? So you have that as a foundation, then when there's a pandemic, we can say, all right, we, we can just do the podcast uh, online. And then, you know, eventually one day uh, when this is all over, assuming that it is, uh, we can then do some of them uh, in, in person. And uh, it, it may even be uh, better. But my point is, if, if you were to take two people who didn't really know each other, at all and didn't have any kind of background or familiarity with one another and you said you two just do a podcast and do it on on the telephone and on zoom i don't think it would be nearly good as a podcast if if you had people uh doing the podcast uh in the same room with one another or people like ourselves who had a long history of interpersonal face-to-face -face interaction, you know, over decades, and then you say do it online, and then we, we can do it online because we have that foundation of face-to-face in-person interaction that we can fairly seamlessly transfer to uh, telephone, internet, online uh, platform for doing, a, for, for doing a podcast. But regardless, I mean, regardless of, of how you would want to argue about online education versus in-person education, the hypocrisy is the about face that the American people have done in overnight going from everything can be done everything can be done online, isn't the internet great, to uh, online education is no substitute for, you know, in-person learning. And of course, the reason that everybody wants the in-person learning, it doesn't have anything to do with the learning or the education. It just has to do with the fact that I want to, uh, I want to be, uh, I want to be pimped out, and have my corporate, on-campus college life experience. So this amazing uh, experience of being able to live in a dorm or uh, walk to CVS at one o'clock in the morning to get ice cream. Wow, who could do without that? Uh, or to go to the dining hall and to, and to get uh, 
you know, mediocre buffet style food with my meal card and feel like I'm all grown up and, and savvy. But, um, I mean, the whole thing is, is really, uh, just a complete joke. It, what really stands out to me is just how uneducated everyone involved must be because it is so obvious that if you're using your brain and you're really interested in science and in following the science, the thing that you would want to do would be, I'm not going to do anything in person. I'm not going to do anything that involves large crowds until at least the virus is under control or preferably that there's a treatment and a vaccine. Let's move on to politics. Um, I guess third party. <laughs> the, 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 um, uh, yeah, I guess it was solidified. Your third party leaning was solidified by the VP pick of Kamala Harris as a cop. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, you couldn't get more of a yet another poke in the eye of the Bernie Bernies and progressives. Another right winger on the ticket. I mean, it could have been Amy Klobuchar, so. <laughs> yeah, well, but that's, I mean, almost identical candidate, right? Except she's white. Well, the one thing uh, I will say that I, uh, uh, the one thing that I'll, I'll say uh, in favor of Harris is the best I can understand, uh, Harris has actually changed her position on marijuana legalization. Well, but, but, um, yeah, I get this. It's, uh, but the overall, it's, it's really, no, it's, I mean, what is so insane about that is that it's just so full of shit because, you know, she was just a total hard ass put like, I think it was 20,000 pot people in prison. Um, and then she comes out later as, oh, yeah, I've got Jamaican roots and I've gotten high with Snoop Dogg. And, you know, what a bitch. It does sound pretty phony. Yeah, it's 100% phony. And, um, oh, yeah, she's she's awful. I mean, but, this, but the, the thing the thing is, is, um, I mean, what difference does it make if the, the Democratic platform is uh-huh. anti-legalization? And if Joe Biden's going to be the president, that he's going to be, he opposes legalization, which at this point is just incredible. I mean, with 11 states and Washington, D.C. having legalized it, and with Canada having legalized it, you would think that America would be falling over itself to say, well, if Canada's got legal pot, we should definitely do that here. I mean, we're supposed to be... It's pretty, it's pretty clear what that is. It's not. It's first of all the whole thing with the corporate Democrats is that we have to appeal to the quote uh, suburban Republican swing right. voter, right? So they think that even though I'm sure that um, the polls would show that they're in favor of uh, marijuana reform too legalization they're still saying they have this it's it's not even based in reality i mean but also it's also that they're you know they're kamala harris is a cop they're like they're a bunch of cops you know a bunch of bootlickers that that just love the 
police state and they want to perpetuate it. And of course they can't change their attitude about something, you know, they're hyper conservative and must continue thinking exactly the same way for till they're dead. Um, right. And, and I mean, Joe Biden was the author of the 1994 crime bill that made uh, the war on drugs. Right. And uh, if you, if yeah. And if you look at his stuff and, you know, his speeches in Congress in support of these bills, uh, just egregious, hardcore right wing talk about how I've got no empathy for these people that do these drugs. We're going to lock them away for long periods. And, you know, you couldn't get more extreme right wing. Um, uh, you know, same guy. But yeah. uh, it's also interesting that watching those, you know, it also shows you how bad his dementia is, which is a whole other thing behind the whole, you know, this, uh, this. That he's a terrible he, candidate. Well, the, it's a, he's probably not going to make it through it, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Kamala will be the president. So basically this whole, his whole pick is she's now the anointed president, basically. President in waiting. You know, and what the fuck has she done? I mean, I just, uh, you know, and all well, this meritocracy bullshit. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that if, if we, if someone like me is supposed to actually believe that the Democrats are really serious about doing any of these so-called progressive policies, which is really just what I would say for the year 2020 is just would be normal human politics for, for what we need. Why didn't they just nominate Bernie Sanders? If we're going to do all of these things that Bernie Sanders and his supporters want to be done, why not just make Bernie Sanders? But I mean, my question is when have they said they're going to do any of those things? They've been saying they're not going to do those things. Exactly. It strikes me that they've been, that the whole point of the 2016 and the 2020 primaries was to beat everybody over the head and say, we are not going to be this party. We're not going to be a, a left-leaning party. We're not going to have any of this influence. And we don't want any of this, you know, hippie, dope-smoking, <laughs> protesting crap going. Mm-hmm. I mean, they basically, rep- the Democrats represent uh, the, the protesters and, and legalizing marijuana the same way that Fox News and Republicans do, that they're just these radicals who are out of control and it's, it's all extreme and we don't want it. And I'll tell you what's out of control and what's radical, man, is the war on drugs. I mean, to have something that's going to be going on 50 years and that has the world's largest prison population and that is completely anti-science. I mean, if you think I really think that the anti-science mindset behind the uh, the obstinate refusal to wear masks during the pandemic has its roots in marijuana prohibition, because there's no way that you can justify marijuana prohibition and look at the science. I mean, the only reason you can just you can justify it is to blatantly ignore the science. No one has ever died from using 
marijuana. You know, that alone should tell you that it, it shouldn't be illegal. Like, what is what exactly does this do? And, and people are always making these ridiculous uh, arguments to justify prohibition that, I mean, at first it was going to be that it was a, a gateway drug, but you can look at the number of people who use marijuana and the number of people who use hard drugs, and you can tell that since the number of people who use marijuana is much higher than the people who use hard drugs, the people who use marijuana want to use marijuana. They're not, it's not like they use that for a couple of years. Like, all right, now I want to get really high. Let's start doing this other stuff. That doesn't happen. And now it's all into uh, the, that it's going to make you schizophrenic. Uh, that's a complete lie. And, and then it's all about how, oh, this is one that was, uh, I saw just in the past week that vaping causes COVID-19. Not just that if you vape or smoke and you get COVID-19, your symptoms could be more severe because of the damage you've done to your lungs. It gives you COVID-19. Like the, it didn't start in Wuhan. It started with, a, with, a, with, with vaping. Irresponsible I mean, hippie. It's just, it's just endlessly crazy, and, and you can't sympathize with, with marijuana prohibition and then turn around and uh, make fun of or, or criticize all these people who refuse to wear masks or who think that the coronavirus is a hoax because it's the same kind of mentality. I mean, it's just complete delusion and hyper-political nonsense. Yeah, so that, but here's that, something that, that here's, here's something that I saw that should to tell you something about the Biden-Harris ticket. More people that are enthusiastic about voting for Donald Trump than are enthusiastic for voting for Joe Biden. And there was a poll taken going into the uh, Democratic National Convention, which I think starts this evening. Won't that be a laugh? Um, Guess what? I'm not going to watch. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, unless, unless you uh, want to get your uh, cynical uh, All right. yeah. laughing spell out of your system. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, the thing, though, that people uh the the polls polls that were done in terms of trying to gauge what people thought about the democrats going into the uh democratic national convention is that uh people overwhelmingly said they want to hear more about what the democrats and what joe biden are going to do and they and they want the democrats to quit talking about donald trump and how bad donald trump is and of course i've been saying about the that about the Democrats for some time, and especially uh, during the Trump presidency and the Democrats, you know, proxy media propagandists like, you know, Rachel Maddow and MSNBC, that for three and a half straight years have talked about nothing but Donald Trump. Like, that's the only thing that's wrong with America. Everything in America was just fine. The prison state, the war on drugs, the terrible schools, paying basketball coaches $9 million while 
a third of your students have food insecurity. At least half of your teachers don't make a, a wage above the poverty line. None of that stuff ever gets covered at all. Like, how can you really expect your population not to be manipulated by a misinformation campaign, assuming that all this stuff about Russia collusion and interference in the uh, 2016 election is true? How can you expect your population to make a well-educated, well-informed decision about who they're going to vote for for president if they're poorly educated? If they go to a university where the basketball coach of all people makes $9 million, you don't think that that has any effect on people's uh, inability to think straight about important political decisions? So, um, yeah, I just I just saw a few days ago a Mitch McConnell ad on YouTube, and uh, he he was like all out anti Antifa. He was like, you know, law and order. We've got these violent extremists on the street. Amy McGrath. I mean, right. he said some tepid thing about it, you know. Uh, so of course it's totally erasing the the basis of all the protests. And the, yeah. Right. I mean, why not? Why not show uh, Derek Chauvin kneeling on George Floyd's neck and then say, yeah. you know, Mitch McConnell thinks this is how policing should work in America. You know, Mitch McConnell thinks it's okay to kill unarmed black people. And especially to be emphasizing Brianna yeah, and, Taylor. And, and why not do that? Because I like the things that they did to Amy McGrath that I don't have sympathy for. But, I mean, the last time she ran against uh, Barr uh, for the Lexington uh, representative slot, you know, it was like she eats, 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 uh, kill, you know, kills the fetus just before birth. And eat the eat the fetus. Yeah, that was basically the level of these. <laughs> you know, why not go back on them, man? Right. Well, I mean, of course the, the, the because I think personally, the grass is probably against abortion, and so she doesn't have that kind of emotional reaction to. No, what I'm saying is is that well, I mean, not only should you go back on that one and put it in their face, but I mean, we know why. She's not going to be like support, you know, saying that um, Mitch McConnell likes to kill black people. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just go because, ahead and say that stuff. I mean, he's because she's done her own share of killing black people and <laughs> right and uh, in Iraq, right? Yeah, random ba- ra- <laughs> random babies. So you know. She's not really against the whole idea herself. Right. Not to mention that she's just a, she's a miserable candidate. Yeah. A complete and it robot. also shows that Charles Booker would have been a much better uh, opponent to, um, a much better opponent to uh, M- McConnell because, you know, being a, a, a young black man himself, you know, it would be a lot more um, difficult for McConnell just to uh, 
use these uh, uh, protests as uh, in in Portland and, and and Seattle and and Chicago as a way to make uh, liberals uh, look bad because Charles Booker can come come on and then and say, well, you know, Mitch McConnell apparently doesn't have a problem with uh, police killing people like well me. Right, and and I, he strikes me as the kind of person who would do that and would be uh, sharp and and quick about making an effective uh, counter response. And of course, you just don't hear that from from McGrath at all. I mean, she runs this generic ad saying, "Well, thanks to Mitch McConnell over the decades, you know, he has uh, helped uh, China become more powerful." And of course, with the trade deals and so forth. And of course, that just in my mind, is a uh, is an offshoot of her original, completely wacky and just bonkers uh, position that the reason we should vote for her is that Mitch McConnell has been a hindrance to Donald Trump, <laughs> right? Like. If we all like Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell isn't well, letting B- Donald Booker. Trump do his thing. So let's get McConnell out. And Booker and called that. In, I'll called, work with yeah, and she, and Booker called that being a pro-Trump Trump Democrat, you know, per se. Which obviously yeah. it is. I don't know how else you can interpret it. Yeah. But the other thing that really concerns me about the Biden-Harris ticket is there's no doubt that the situation of the country right now is such that they're going to need to be significant changes made and they're going to have to be made quickly. Yeah. Given the, the just absolutely horrible condition of the country and, and you and I both know that's the last thing that Joe Biden is going to do. I mean, you have every reason to think that Joe Biden, Joe Biden presidency is going to be just like Barack Obama, which is the best that you're going to get is I'm not somebody else. And you can and and the people, the, the, the evangelical fundamentalist devotees of the Democrats and people like the Obamacon uh, are always just going to say, well, it would be even worse if the Republican was in there. You know, if it, that's, and that's how a Joe Biden presidency is going to be. Like nothing will happen, nothing will change. He will be there simply to maintain the status quo, to make sure that corporate interests continue to be served, and to make sure that no matter what kind of response uh, happens to the pandemic that it won't in any way intrude on the, the profits of the, of the insurance companies and the other corporations that he and the Democrats are there to, to represent. Uh, and to the extent that Biden might want to appear to be trying to do something, just like it happened with Obama, Biden supporters can always say, well, but those Republicans in Congress won't allow Biden to do such and such, so there you go. I mean, it's obvious that most of the country doesn't want anything to change. Which I, and I think that I mentioned, didn't I say something like, um, 
Biden 2020 equals Trump 2024? Yeah. Well, so that that's what I think uh, basically is going to happen, that a vote for Joe Biden in November is a vote for Donald Trump in, in 2024, because the country needs major change for the better, and it needs it to happen quickly at this point. I mean, we've got 20 million unemployed. Um, that means 20 million people without health care. And who are the Democrats running? They're running somebody who doesn't believe in Medicare for all. I mean, how is that going to help anybody with 20, many, 20 million people that don't have any health insurance during a pandemic in so a country that has the worst response to it in the world? So you're saying that um, basically Biden will do such a bad uh, job. Biden will be like Hoover, except... There won't be an FDR that comes in in 19, or what would that be, 2024, so 1932 right. of this century. It'll be, a, you know, some equivalent of Trump or even Trump. I guess Trump. No, Trump it'll be Trump again? himself. Oh, you I mean, mean Trump, <laughs> Trump will just come back? and? Yes, yeah. it's the perfect Donald Trump thing to do. I mean, if anybody yeah. would do something like that, it would be him. And he he's can got, come he's back. Gotta, he's he's got to eat enough kill enough children with it and have enough adrenochrome to make it through. To, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> His reserve will start to, <laughs> to, to, to wane. I mean, first of all, he's not going to go away in, in the, in the first place. I mean, yeah. I think that the stuff about how he's not going to leave the white house and he won't acknowledge that the results are, uh, are, are legitimate. I mean, I, just don't see that that happening. I mean, the no, he'll not. he'll leave office, uh, but he'll continue to be he'll he'll continue to dominate the media. I mean, he'll still basically be the de facto president because he'll be the one that everyone's paying attention to. The well, and this whole thesis that it's Biden is going to win is also highly dubious too, right? Uh, I mean, apparently this week Biden's numbers went down. Uh, oh, they did. Yeah, that's something I heard. Maybe I read that this morning. Uh, you know, and and like you said, is there's a lot more enthusiasm for Trump. He has a much more hardcore base. Um, that's definitely not going to be swung to vote for Biden. Uh, yeah, I, I you know. It's interesting. It's the same thing as occurred this time, occurring this time, with a broad swath of people that um, I've been sucked into it too. It was like, oh yeah, he's so far behind the polls. Look how his behavior—he's just fucking up left and right, which he is. But I, I don't think it's going to matter. You know, I think they're going to figure out how to steal enough votes. Uh, you know, deny people the vote, um, um, sabotaging the postal service, right? Sabotage the postal service. They're going to pull every fucking dirty trick in the book, and and all they got to do is accomplish the swing state. You know, pull off of Florida, right. or you know, just Florida well, alone would probably win Florida. Well, I mean, then it'll win because you know I. <laughs> 
Um, now he won Florida last time. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, I mean to me, that's ever time, since the year two thousand. That's always been. I, I basically just wait to see who wins Florida and figure. And and of course, Florida being on the East Coast, that's one of the first states that you get the results on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. And another thing that hurts the Democrats is that the uh, the 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 Democrat uh, home turf is all West Coast, California, Oregon, Washington State, and of course those places don't come into play until late in the evening. So, uh, and uh, yeah, here's another factor that's got to be in favor of uh, Trump this time around is that uh, the Republicans are less split than they were, right? There was a fair amount of uh, anti-Trumpness in the party. I think it's more than now. And, uh, you know, I think that they'll gain within the Republican ranks. Well, the, the sad thing with the Democrats trying to appeal to suburban Republicans and uh, and, and moderates is that um, conservatives are always going to vote Republican because the, the Republican is always going to be the more conservative and the more traditionally conservative candidate. So, I mean, what's the point of trying to, you know, outdo the the person who's your opponent in terms of being the the better conservative. I mean, you may as well join the other party and run in the primary and say, I mean, Amy McGrath should just be a Republican and run against Mitch McConnell in the Republican primary if she thinks it's all about that it's not about representing the people, it's about representing conservatives. And you know what, man? It's my country too. And if you don't want to represent me and you don't want to listen to me, then go fuck yourself. It's my vote. You don't get it. All you care about is these conservatives. Then you better hope these conservatives vote for you because I'm not going to. Right. I mean, this country just sucks, man. And that's basically my thesis is why the hell do we care about any of this? Like, I don't really care what happens in November. I don't care who wins or loses the elections. And to be honest with you, I pretty much don't even care about all these people dying because these people themselves don't even care. You know, I have literally left my neighborhood twice since March. You know, it's not my fault that this virus is spreading. I'm not kidding. Two times since, when would this have been? March the uh, 14th. I mean, what's today? The 17th of August? That's five freaking months. And I've been out of my neighborhood two times. It's all these other people that are saying, let's open things back up. I want football. I want basketball. Let's go to a restaurant. Let's go do this. Let's Let's go do that. And I'm supposed to sit here and waste my brain trying to make one argument after another about why people uh, should stay home and self-isolate and we should have testing and, and all of this. 
Who cares? It's not worth it, man. I mean, I think that the universe is is wonderful. I think humanity is good and wonderful, but America is garbage, and it just I think it distorts everything to look at life and your own human experience only in terms of America. Who cares? It's worthless. It's a has been. Here's another uh, uh, talking about talking about the end. Uh, yeah, the end of cities. Um, what, what were you meaning by that? Uh, well, that's that's kind of amazing that you brought that up. That's exactly what I was getting ready to mm-hmm. transition into. Yeah, I think I had written about the end of cities, and we had discussed this a couple of months ago mm-hmm. on the podcast. And um, last night, I just read another article saying that from March to May. Over 400,000 people have left New York City. And so the article was specifically about New York. And the, uh, the author, and I think his name is uh, James um, uh, Alcher. And, and this guy is a lifelong New Yorker. He grew up there. And, and he, he said that the that there's no way that New York will be able to um, recover from this. Hmm. He said that over uh, nationwide, 60% of restaurants have already closed. And in New York, the number is even higher. So you have to ask yourself, well, all the people who work in these restaurants, what are they going to do? I mean, they're going to leave. And it's, it's the problem is, there were there were all of these problems that were mounting before the pandemic hit that places like New York and other big cities like San Francisco were just determined to ignore right i mean like the uh, the escalating cost of of living the cost of rent and um the uh inability to you know find good jobs that would pay you enough that you could continue to live there. Nothing, of course, was done about any of this. And now the pandemic was hit. The pandemic has hit and you have you have this uh, massive unemployment. Well, now there's really no way that people can uh, continue to live in, in these cities. Yeah, it's, it's just, just starting, you know, and there's it's interesting. It's like there's a, just a high level of denial within the populace because, you know, I saw, oh, well, the unemployment rate bounced back. You know, it's only 10% now. Uh, <laughs> That's because they quit counting the numbers because people quit looking for work. Right. There isn't any work. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a hidden. Uh, something not being uh, exposed there. You know, I mean, like my renter, you know, he's, I, you know, I just don't know how what's going to happen with him because, I mean, after I evict his ass because he doesn't pay rent, um, you know, what's he going to do? I mean, I mean, I'll be fine, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, just joking about that. But, I mean, he, uh, you know, he worked for a bar and, 
Uh, he's going to have to find something else if he wants to make some money. And even, you know, the unemployment, I keyed him into onto the unemployment thing, or the, you know, the $600 that just expired. Um, he isn't able to get that either because it's like you either, um, I think it was, there was some kind of fraud thing where somebody used his social security number to get money. He didn't right. know didn't even know about it. It was like identity theft. <laughs> so right. who knows that, you know, who knows when that will ever be cleared up. And just for myself, you know, I filed for the um, COVID thing myself mm-hmm. and uh, haven't heard a thing. You know, it said it's under review. haven't heard a thing about it. And, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you can get through. I think I called and, you know, it puts you in this queue and said they call you back, but there's no indication when that will ever happen. It could be days or weeks or, you know, it's just It's bizarre. basically like we're living in the Soviet Union, right? Where everything is incredibly oh, yeah. inefficient, dysfunctional, <laughs> long lines to get everything, testing is totally worthless because the turnaround time is is too long to make effective contact tracing possible when positive tests do show up. I mean, it really is the... And I think I think this kind of folds back into the whole, you know, why are people going back to college? I think that they want to believe that, you know, that it's all going down, you know? We're going to just try to keep things going and, you know, it'll just, uh, hopefully it'll just ride itself, you know? Hopefully it's like continuing. Adjust. It's like continuing to to play uh, violin and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. enjoy caviar on the Titanic. Right. Yeah. That 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 sounds like the episode title right there. Caviar on the Titanic. Perfect. <laughs> well, all right, man. You got any predictions for coming up? Well, I haven't checked the 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 numbers for the, rather than predict predictions of what already happened. Uh, how can that work? Um, yeah, I, I think that um, I mean to go back to the first thing with the the college football. Uh, I think that all of it is going to be shut down. I mean, I just don't see how you can have two or three conferences playing when everything else is, is shut down. How the, ha- how the also, heck is baseball held it together, you think? Uh, well, the, I mean, the baseball um, has has not completely fallen apart the, the, the way that uh, I thought that it, that it might. I mean, once the Cardinals – finally started playing on uh, on Saturday. They went from July the 29th to, let's see, um, I guess Saturday would have been August the 15th. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they went that amount of time without playing a game. Uh, and then they, they, they finally started again. And, of course, the, the day that the Cardinals started playing baseball again, uh, at least one player from the Cincinnati Reds 
tested positive. Now, fortunately for Major League Baseball, the Cardinals weren't scheduled to play the Reds that game. Otherwise, that would have meant the Cardinals missing even more action. Uh, the Cardinals are going to have to play. How are they even going to do Do they have to, like, do makeup games to be able to? I mean, how does well, this sure. even work? Um, I mean, it, it, it's already a big mess, right? It's a 60-game season instead of 162 games. Uh, and now the Cardinals are going to have to play all these doubleheaders. The, the whole league is going to have to play a lot of doubleheaders because many games have been postponed, even though there have only been really two outbreaks with the Miami Marlins, then the St. Louis Cardinals. That still shuts down the opponent. Right, that those teams were going to be playing. Mm-hmm. So all these double hitters have to be played. And in the interest of being able to save the arms of the pitchers, the double hitters have been reduced to seven inning games. So if you're what? going to have a double hitter, it's oh, playing two. Oh, no. That's... Yeah. I mean, isn't that just totally <laughs> amateur? That's, I mean, what high school fuck? baseball. I mean, what are they going to start <laughs> doing next? You know, using aluminum bats? Well, that would that would be. I mean, that's fine, aluminum bass, but just. I mean, that that, that, with, that changes the game totally when you shorten it like that because it's just. <laughs> uh, it's just like whatever. it's just like caviar on the Titanic. I mean, yeah, you right. can keep pretending like the Titanic isn't sinking all the way until it hits the bottom of the ocean and everybody <laughs> dies, but that doesn't mean that the Titanic didn't sink. And it's, I mean, it's the same thing with this major league baseball season. I mean, it has been a complete failure. The fact that they're just going to refuse to shut it down uh, doesn't negate that. I mean, they've, when you, when you're finding yourself playing seven inning games and you've had teams that have gone two weeks without playing um, and there, there may still be more outbreaks. And and I think if, if it gets to a situation where you have, Multiple teams have multiple infections. If that happens again, um, it'll be it'll be over. I mean, they won't be able to finish the season. But the season's been a complete wreck and a fiasco uh, anyway. And, and defenders of of the American system are always saying, "Well, see, the you know you said that they would uh, have to cancel Major League Baseball, and they didn't. So it's a, it's a success." And it's like. You're playing seven inning games, and you had you had uh, the St. Louis Cardinals go from July the 29th to August the 15th, not playing a single game. You know you've got you've got teams with 20 games under their belts. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals have a record of two and three, and you're going to say that this is an actual real season, and it's that American fairy tale. It's like we're all just living happily ever happily ever after. And uh, you know nothing. Nothing is going to go wrong. You know we're all going to go back to school. We're going to have football. We're going to have that great college experience. And the economy is going to be good. And I'm going to take out a hundred thousand dollars in loans. And I'm going to get my bachelor's degree. And I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I'm thirty. And it just people don't. Americans just don't change the way that they think uh, ever based on anything. I mean. It could be walking outside. It could start raining, and Americans will say it's not raining. I mean, it's just um, okay. My my pr- prediction, 
Well, it, Nancy went back to school today. Um, Uh-oh. And, uh, she can't do everything on, <laughs> online? <laughs> no, they, um, the class that she teaches, the lab thing, has to be done or they just have to cancel a class because it's working with laboratory equipment. You know, you can't can't really do Well, you could do it virtually, but I think that rightly so that, the, um, you know, it wouldn't get credit because you're not actually working with equipment. But anyway, um, yeah, it's still bullshit. They shouldn't have done it in the first because, I mean, it will, the prediction is when, when will they have to close down the end class stuff and uh, her colleague said two weeks thought it would be two weeks and um, the question is whether or not I think it's going to be less or more than that I mean definitely the over under <laughs> yeah the over under what's the over under here and um, yeah I'll stick with the two weeks because I mean, at first, you know, they're going to test everybody supposedly before they can even go into the classroom, and uh, we still got to find out, you know, what percentage of them tested positive. Right, that'll be interesting. Um, but unlike the baseball, which I'm pretty sure because there's so much money involved, they've got everybody monitored and the bubble going on and all this stuff. Well, you can't do that with these kids. I mean, the second they get off campus, they're going to be having orgies and kind of right. I mean, it's there. a joke, but they all want to. <laughs> they all want to have. They want to have college because they want to have their college experience. Mm-hmm. But the the protocols for how this is going to have to be done mean that there uh, that there won't be any. They they can't do all the things that they want to do on campus, but they want to be on campus anyway. And then, regardless of what the protocols are. They're not going to. They're not going to be followed. I mean, the, the, when I when I think about all these places where they have the the social distancing pads on the on the floor, mm. like you know, stand here, and then mm. another six feet. There's another one. Mm. Do we really think that human beings are like that? <laughs> like they're just a bunch of Labradors, <laughs> but they'll just do exactly what? Go here now. Now sit. Now do this. Like, of course they're not. I mean, even. Even fully matured, you know, full frontal lobe people don't behave like that. Like they're going to be spontaneous. They're going to just sort of at, at some point start uh, acting uh, through intuitive, uh, subconscious, spontaneous uh, uh, behavior. They're not going to just be this wound up robot, go here, stand here, don't get any closer, now go over here. And yeah, I mean, I would say two weeks because. If I think that if there if there's going to be a major spread, it will obviously start happening uh, shortly after you have the the, the mass gathering. Um, when I when I think of uh, Callaway County, the the new cases have exploded uh, in in Callaway County. I mean they've had 18 in one day, 15 in one day, 11 in one day, and uh, up until the uh, middle of July, the, the most number of new cases in, in one day was six. But on average, whenever there was a new case reported, it was only one new case. And now they're in, now they're in double figures. And you know it's all mainly been traced back to the 4th of July weekend oh, yeah. when, 
you know, against the advice of the the experts, uh, people went to Florida to to party, and then they they got it down there and they brought it back here, and now it's been spreading like crazy. And of course, these are adults; these aren't just uh, you know overgrown adolescents, which is what college students are. Know, trying to hang on to another four years of of high school, um, which is another reason our higher education system is a racket and a sham and a worthless uh, waste of time. Um, but um, so I would say, since the, it takes about three weeks between uh, a, a spread to actually happen. And then for the, the symptoms and the cases to really start to show up, I'll give it, I'll, I'll take the, the over on this and I'll take three weeks. So if this is August the 17th, I'm going to say that you're really looking at the second week of September when, uh, and it won't just be UK, it's, it'll be happening all across the country. And then what's going to happen is this. It gets even better. First, the universities will have to shut down. And then everybody's going to realize, since we don't all live in these imaginary bubbles, that these infections have not only spread on campus, but they've spread in the local community, right? So Lexington will become a hot spot. So will Louisville. Uh, Callaway County is already an emerging hot spot. And with the students coming on Murray State, um, Murray will be a, a hot spot. Well, yeah, I think Washington County uh, doubled its cases and went from like 50 to almost 100 uh, in a week or so. So, Right. I mean, all the numbers point to uh, don't do this, right? So, but instead yeah. of following the science, Everything is, is just always done on this predetermined business agenda that mm -hmm. the, the, the students and the, the parents want school and they want to have it and we want to make our money and we have to make our money. So because uh, we've got to be able to keep paying all of these incredibly bloated salaries to these coaches and administrators. So uh, they just went ahead and did it all the while pretending to be an educational institution saying that. The science actually actually matters. I mean, if the if the numbers had been consistently going down, it would have still been risky to have had college, right? Because you would then be risking saying that, well, the numbers have gone down, but if we have classes, that we could start to see the numbers go back up. But it's the opposite is true. The numbers are already going up, but they're just going to go ahead and have the classes anyway. So. Before we got you, that it's really just a, a mentally ill culture that is just kind of uh, just so pathological and, and determined just to spread as much suffering and pain and death and fear and, you know, economic uh, turmoil that uh, there just isn't any way at this point to get it under control. Um, before we go, um, what are the numbers for this week? Well, I, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have them, but I, I, we're over 170 deaths now. So, um, but I mean, what I can basically tell is, I mean, the numbers are staying consistent. You know, there's not necessarily any, mm -hmm. uh, this is nationwide, 
But, I mean, Texas and Florida continue to be uh, major hot spots where everything is out of control. And I know Callaway County, there's been a major increase um, over the last three weeks. And I have to think that a place like Callaway County, Kentucky, is probably representative of America as a whole. I mean, it's, it's okay, rural. The number, the number I've got here is right at 170. 169,986, so that's 170. Right. 170K, so that's up a little 8,200. So, yeah, about, about the same. About so, the same number of increases last week. So that we, and, that's, and the thing that people have to understand is that's bad. Like, you okay. can't get a pandemic under control when the numbers are staying consistent. Right. You've, you've got to start seeing the numbers go down, and they have to go down significantly, and they have to go down significantly for a long time. You can't just have one day where, hey, the numbers went down. Everything's fine. Let's go. You know, you've got to see this happen for at least a month, and then you can, then you can say, all right, it looks like we, we, have, we have at least temporarily suppressed the, the virus. Um, I've got another prediction for you. I'm going to say that Joe Biden's going to be the first ever presidential nominee where his numbers are going to go down after the convention. You know, it's been a it's been kind of a, a norm for decades that the party right after the one of the parties has its convention, at least temporarily, that candidate gets a boost. Right. You have the Democratic convention. Whoever the nominee is, their their numbers go up. They start to do better in the polls, right? And the other party has its convention, and then their party goes up for a little bit. I'll guarantee you that after this uh, convention, Joe Biden's numbers will go down. Because I think that what little enthusiasm uh, is already there for, for Biden will just completely uh, vaporize. Um, by the time the convention is over. All right, man. That's but either way, we're going to have another four years of Donald Trump as president. <laughs> it'll either be 2020 to 2024, or it'll be 2024 <laughs> to 2028. All right. That's your last prediction, man. All right. This is David Miller. Hope you guys this is Dr. It. Dave Overby. For the Oblivion podcast recorded on Monday, August the 17th, 2020, we want to thank you for listening. And until next time, this we'll has been you. the Oblivion podcast.